0: Mortimer. Episode 17. Thank you for tuning into Mortimer, a book written by M.W. Cedars and narrated by Michael Drew. The theme music was written and performed by Danny Torgerson. Mortimer is an entire novel that you may decide to read in print or digital form. Yet each episode of this audio podcast is broken up into a serial of sorts for your enjoyment. We hope you enjoy this duty-free audio presentation of Mortimer. I always thought that Mortimer was a bit boring, with all his drawings and bottle boats. But then I went to that soiree at his mansion and (laughs) woo-wee, That was the party of the year. How long is this gonna take? Sissy whined, following Morris to the back of the truck. What the hell? Morris shrieked into the darkness. Sissy rushed to his side and grasped his arm. What is it, Morris? He did not answer, but cursed. Shook her off and stuck his head into the back of the truck he'd found left open. We've been ransacked! What do you mean? I mean that someone ate half the ice cream. The boxes are all ripped up. There's melted cream all over the place. How could that happen? Sissy rushed to look in. I can hardly see a thing. So dark. Are you sure? You ridiculous woman! Morris spat out. Take a look for yourself! "'We've been taken advantage of.' "'Oh, it was that vicious coloured woman. "'I know it.' "'But you were fighting with her the whole time.' Cissy's eyes adjusted to the darkness. "'She saw that Morris was correct. "'The shipman had been destroyed. "'Could it have been coons?' "'Raccoons! Ha, ha, ha!' "'Morris laughed sardonically. "'Did you see varmints when we loaded up?' "'How should I know? "'I wasn't paying attention.' "'We're in for it this time.' "'What do you mean, we?' "'Sissy shot back. "'I ain't gonna be left holding the bag. "'Oh, no, this wasn't my gig. "'I came along "'cause you promised me a weekend out of town.' "'Oh, we're in this together, darling.' "'Morris grabbed her arm. "'Don't tell me you're taking off now.' "'I love you, Morris. "'I do. "'But my daddy was right about you. "'You ain't nothing but trouble.' "'Don't you dare cut out on me.' Then there were headlights. Let me go! Sissy tried to jerk free from Morris's grip. You ain't going nowhere! The headlights blinded Morris as they fell square on his frame. He was too disoriented by the lights to turn and escape. Sissy jerked, wriggled, and with a scream she broke loose from his grip and ran into the darkness. Freeze! With resignation, Morris raised his hands compliantly into the air, surrendering. Mortimer had found his way into the protective covering of the bushes, and, fueled with a sugar high, he crawled along the sidewalk adjacent to the harbour. Thankfully, after his last wardrobe snafu, he'd had all his pants reinforced. At present, they were holding up nicely, despite his impressive ice-cream consumption and the protruding position of his rump. He crawled with all the skill of a nine-month-old infant. He awkwardly rounded the bend and passed a series of buildings. Finally, in the distance... Lit by starlight, he saw her. Massive, sophisticated, sumptuous, she was his dream, his love, and his destiny. He had waited for far too long to board her deck, to view her ample bow and aft, to run his fingers along the glimmering wood that made up her hand polished helm. He heard shouting behind him and crawled faster. Once he judged he was far enough away to walk unseen, he pushed himself up to his feet and began to scurry at a faster pace. Walking served so much utility, Mortimer wondered why he had not begun to do so at a younger age. Waiting ten months was truly inefficient. The sound of a car engine and shouting from behind spurred Mortimer on. Finally, he rounded a bend past several more buildings and boats until at last he arrived at his destination. A lifetime worth of waiting, and now, on the eve of her departure... "'Mortimer stood in the presence of the Esquire. "'She was much larger than Mortimer had realized, "'for across the field from where he'd been observing her all season, "'she seemed even more charming. "'From this intimate proximity, "'he finally comprehended her complicated depths. "'Mortimer felt his heart tremble. "'There wasn't time to waste. "'During visiting hours, "'a walkway was lowered in order to assist in loading cargo and guests.' However, in the dark of the night, only intimate companions of her mistress would know about her secret entrance. Mortimer walked along the dock, his keen eyes searching for a rope ladder with wooden rungs. The night was silent, except for the sound of the boats sloshing gently in the bay. There was no gulls, no car horns, and no people. It was wonderful. Finally, Mortimer found what he was looking for. The ladder hung toward the stern of the ship, about three feet from the dock, and was draped all the way down from the deck. It hung motionless, bidding him to climb. Mortimer was actually quite skilled at climbing, though you'd never know by looking at him. However, having escaped out of his window countless times, Mortimer possessed the skill of a trapeze artist. He rubbed his hands together, and prepared to jump. Mrs. Dixon entered the kitchen and headed straight to the sink. "'I think I wiped up enough punch to fill the Winyar Bay.' "'I bet we went through one hundred pitches at least,' agreed Mrs. Peabody with a sigh. "'Why, every time I went back to check on the snack table, we were empty again.' "'What did you put in that punch, Felinda? People were absolutely out of their minds.' "'Oh, don't blame my punch.' Mrs. Peabody bristled at Mrs. Dixon's implication. It was my mother's recipe. I, I blame that horrible roll kill. The-, the rancid meat must have poisoned their brains. No one knew the difference, darling. Just pretend it never happened. Milly giggled. <laughs> I even gave some roll kill to Mrs. Longhorn. Which Mrs. Longhorn? The old cranky one, replied Milly. Shaded up like a starved dog. We must change the subject or I'll be sick. Mrs. Dixon plopped down next to Mrs. Peabody at the counter. Did you see Milfred dancing? <laughs> Millie giggled. I thought I was going to die from laughter. Mrs. Dixon's shoulders started to shake. <laughs> I thought her mother was going to lose her composure and then she began dancing too. "'I heard that that young lady climbed up on the coffee table,' Mrs. Peabody shook her head. "'Oh, the youth have to die. "'She did!' <laughs> "'Milly guffawed. "'It was not the coffee table. "'It was Donella Petrina Credenza,' Mrs. Dixon's eyes watered from either hysterics or fatigue. "'And poor Hilda. "'I don't think she talked to anyone all evening,' Mrs. Peabody was sympathetic. "'If I were trying to pick an actual good match for Mortimer, "'I'd say it was Hilda.' "'Neville entered the room. "'That woman has the personality of a block of wood "'and indignation enough to make a police officer cower.' "'Oh, Neville!' "'Ignoring Mrs Peabody, Neville went to the stove and put on the tea. "'I've finished the front room. "'The main projects that remain are the dining room and the backyard.' "'Mrs Dixon pointed a finger at Neville.' "'I have a bone to pick with you about the dining-room.' "'You asked for the table to be fixed. "'You did not specify that it had to be structurally intact enough "'to withstand a grown man flying into it. "'I saw the way it crumbled on impact. "'You glued the pieces together, didn't you?' "'No one suspected a thing, Elizabeth,' Mrs Peabody soothed. "'The table looked wonderful. "'The tablecloth with the lace-runner was very elegant. "'Isn't that right, darling?' ''Look great to me,'' agreed her husband. The water began to boil, and Neville removed four cups from the cupboard. Milly, dearest,'' Mrs. Dixon tipped over to peer at the young maid who lay upon the kitchen floor. ''Can you please check to be sure all our guests are settled in before you go up to bed?'' ''But I'm not tired. You're fifteen, darling. Don't whine like a child.'' "'Mrs. Dixon chided. "'You're about to fall asleep on the kitchen floor. "'Check for guests and then go upstairs.' "'Milly sighed and allowed Mr. Peabody to assist her in standing up. "'There you are, good girl.' "'He patted her on the head. "'It was a wonderful party.' "'Milly smiled at her colleagues. "'Everyone had a grand time.' "'It was, wasn't it?' "'Mrs. Dixon looked up to Mr. and Mrs. Peabody for their opinions. "'It was perfect.' "'What do you say, Neville?' "'Well, I say that depends on if you received any cards.' He answered, knowing that Mrs. Dixon's ultimate goal was to land Mortimer a wife. Mrs. Dixon's face spread into a wide smile. She retrieved a handful of white cards from her breast. "'You were hiding all those in there.' "'Millie, to bed,' Mrs. Dixon admonished, but her eyes glistened. "'Oh, OK.' Millie allowed the nanny to kiss her on her cheek. "'Good night, dearest. Fine job tonight. As Millie left the kitchen, Neville served the tea, and Mrs. Dixon began to excitedly review the list of cards she'd received for Mortimer. Mortimer sailed through the air, and much to his glee, his sticky hands grasped the rope sides of the ladder. He scrambled, legs flailing, as he attempted to find the bottom rung. Due to a layer of ice cream on his hands, Mortimer slipped down half an inch.' The ebony water sloshed below, and Mortimer's tongue protruded in effort. Mortimer's eyes darted down to the water below, realising it would be a dreadful shame if he were to fall. For while Mortimer was skilled at many things, swimming was not one of them. In fact, some had compared his swimming skills to that of the mighty Titanic, after it crashed into an iceberg. If he fell into the water, he'd likely sink like a rock to the bottom of the sea." The ladder jerked to and fro as Mortimer gyrated and wiggled, fingers gripping with all the strength he could muster. He kicked again, and his toe felt a rung. Victory! But then it slipped. Mortimer slid down another half an inch. He attempted to peer down to see what the problem was, but his swollen belly obstructed the view of his feet. Perspiration began to drip down his neck and onto his back. Mortimer kicked again. With satisfaction, Orange shut the back door to the patrol car. He had made his very first arrest. The ease of the arrest was quite a miracle to Orange, for upon arriving at the dock, he'd gotten out of the car and yelled, "'Freeze!' and the man had just put his hands into the air. Easy as that. Perhaps Orange had finally found his stride in police work. He had successfully tracked down a criminal in under an hour. Quite impressive, really. A smug smile spread across his face. There was a groan from the back seat. Man, these cuffs are chafing my wrists. Quiet back there, Orange shot over his shoulder. He pulled the patrol car onto Main Street and headed toward the precinct. The chap's name was Morris Jones, at least according to his identification. He insisted that the Georgetown Parlor employed him and that he had not stolen the ice cream truck. He claimed that he was out making late-night deliveries of ice cream. Highly suspect, Orange sniffed with superiority. The back of the truck had only a couple of boxes of ice cream, and the rest looked like it had been used for stashing boxes and garbage. Melting ice cream covered the floor of the truck. This situation seemed to provide important clues for Orange's police force-trained mind. However, the negro lady at the Iscariot Manor confirmed that Morris was supposed to be making a delivery. That being said... She'd also accused Morris of causing trouble, and the manor looked like it had been and gone through a war. Seemed to Orange that there was more to the story than either let on. This was going to be a real-life investigation. His wife would be so proud of him. Perhaps he'd be promoted. Orange grinned in the darkness and pondered the possibilities, while his prisoner sat in the back, wondering if there was any way out of the mess that he'd gotten himself into. Millie yawned and trudged up the massive staircase, leading to the second story of the mansion. She checked Mortimer's door by pressing her ear against the wood. At the silence, she moved on to Mrs. Iscariot's door. She heard nothing there either, and then walked down several doors to where John was sleeping. There was a low rumble of snoring inside the room. Then she proceeded to another door, which was the room where Herbert was recovering from his encounter with the table. Satisfied with silence outside Herbert's door, Millie headed to the second set of stairs that led to the third story. Just as she was rounding the landing, she heard a strange sound. A chill ran down her back. Resisting the temptation to go downstairs to get Neville, she forced herself to press on. The sounds grew louder and clearer as she climbed the stairs. Fear gripped her fiercely at the sound of the tortured screams. A rhythmic thudding all but shook the landing to the staircase— Millie took a trembling step forward. Her throat was bone dry. She stopped outside Percy's bedroom, but the sound wasn't coming from his room. It was coming from the end of the hall. <coughs> the shrill cry squealed and shrieked with agony. Panic stricken, Millie whirled around and dashed down the hallway, zipped around the corner, down the stairs, across the next hall, and to the first staircase. Tears in her eyes, she flew down the stairs, sliding on the wooden floor at the base of the stairway. She rounded at full speed to the kitchen, bursting through the doors to where Mrs. Dixon, Neville, and Mrs. Peabody sat. Something terrible is happening on the third floor. I think Mr. Binkley is is, is is killing Mrs. Be- Mortimer punched his butt outward, and planted the soles of his black lace-up cap-toe oxfords against the surface of the boat. Moving like an inchworm, he moved his feet up, one by one, almost folding himself in half. His hamstrings screamed, and Mortimer felt his bowels protest at being so compressed. But he had his body in the exact position he wanted. He kicked out a foot, and with a gleeful leap of his heart, he felt his right foot land on a rung. He stabilised himself, and once again he was still. He repeated this gesture with the other foot. Success! With renewed enthusiasm, Mortimer planted both feet firmly and hoisted his arms up one by one until his body was straight. He wrapped his arms around a rung and took a moment of reprieve. He looked down at the murky water. Today I triumph! he called down to the foreboding liquid, "'I shall not be your possession, "'for I shall now descend to the deck of her mistress. "'I am the master of the sea!' "'With the vigour of a boy in his adolescent prime, "'Mortimer began climbing. "'Rung by rung, he scaled the side of the esquire. "'Finally he came to the top, "'flung his body over the railing like a sea-lion, "'and landed with a thud.' His heart hammered and mind spun. This was the moment he had waited for his entire life. Mortimer stood and looked about. Mrs. Dixon shot up from her stool and ran to the kitchen drawer. She pulled out a knife. What are you doing? Mrs. Dixon shot Neville a glance. I'm saving a woman's life. She burst through the doors and out of the room. Well, don't just stand there. Millie was weeping. Philander, you stay here. "'Millie, stay with Philander, Mr. Peabody ordered. "'Come on, Neville.' "'I hardly believe he's trying to kill his wife,' "'Neville protested as they ascended the staircase after the nanny. "'You know, Millie tends to be a bit dramatic.' "'That man's out of his mind,' Mr. Peabody huffed over his shoulder. "'I saw the look in his eyes when he burst out of the house with that firearm.' "'He's a farmer. That's what they do.' "'They zipped down the hallway and up the second staircase.' The howling sound reached Neville's ears as soon as they rounded the corner on the third floor. Sudden realisation struck Neville like a ton of bricks as he all but lost his indestructible composure. Disgusting! Neville put his hands over his ears. I- I'm going back downstairs. Speechless, Mrs. Dixon dropped the knife on the carpeted floor. What in God's name is that? Mr. Peabody's face scrunched in pure revulsion. Three! There was a romping coming from behind the door, followed by a crash. Wahoo! Piggy, 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 picky, Yay! Piggy, 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 piggy! Come on! Oh! Oh, my God! Mrs. Dixon stumbled backwards, and Mr. Peabody caught her before she fell over. There was a honking, squealing, and more screaming. Here! Piggy, 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 piggy! Piggy, 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 piggy! Yay! Hoo, woo "'Mrs. Dixon, you shouldn't hear this!' "'Mr. Peabody urged her toward the staircase. "'Step away! Come downstairs!' "'Mrs. Dixon stared down the hallway, stunned. "'She hardly noticed as her companion picked up the knife, "'returned to her side, and guided her back downstairs. "'The deck was illuminated with a glistening light. Mortimer straightened his lapel, "'noticing it was spotless and stood up proudly.' "'trying with all his might to impress her gloriousness "'despite his somewhat dilapidated appearance. Mortimer. "'He smoothed his moustache and turned to look about. "'The deck's mahogany wood gleamed in the glowing light. "'The railings were crafted out of a deep red lumber "'that matched the deck. "'In an elegant gesture, each supportive rod spiralled up "'to meet the railing at a thimble-thin width. Mortimer took several steps forward, "'his jaw slack in amazement.' "'It was nothing like he'd imagined. "'Her beauty was so much more rapturous than in his wildest dreams. "'Before him was the helm of the boat. "'Sturdy ropes stretched up from the railings to his right and left, "'and were tied into a massive supportive beam. "'Grand and glorious alabaster sails billowed gently in the light sea air. "'Crow's nests were positioned at ten feet, then twenty feet, and then higher. Mortimer caught sight of a flight of stairs.' Instantly aware they would bring him to the very place that he'd been yearning to see, the one place that he had yet to visualize, the unfinished piece of his model ship. However, at that thought, Mortimer let out a slow breath, for upon seeing her mistress up close, Mortimer knew that his bottle boats would never even be enough. Try as he might, his soul would simply perish with miniature doppelgangers feeding his insatiable yearnings. He had shipbuilding talent, to be sure, but no amount of skill would ever be enough to replicate the being, bounty, and benevolence that surrounded him. The feeling that filled Mortimer was beyond words, beyond comprehension even. In a daze, Mortimer found himself wandering toward the stairs, his heart hammered in his chest, his skin tingling with delight. With reverence, he hesitated at the bottom step. Go on! Encouraged, Mortimer took the first step. His breath caught in his throat, and his sticky hands grew damp with sweat. Then he took the next step. He paused, taking it all in. The pulchritude filled his senses with wonderment. Then he ascended the final step, and arrived at the captain's deck. The sea air picked up, combing through his thick hair as he allowed it to guide him. Then he saw it. His moustache tipped upward at his smile. "'The helm! The helm of her mistress!' Mortimer reached out, but noticing his hands were tarnished, he jerked back quickly and looked about for something to clean them. He chastised himself for even having such a thought of touching her while unwashed. To compromise even one speck of the ship's spotless components would be an insult too great for reality. Though it pained Mortimer, he knew what he had to do. It was the right thing. He spit on his hands... "'and wiped them on his lapel. "'After several moments, with a sticky lapel but clean hands, "'Mortimer reached out. "'Gingerly, he grasped the helm of the Mistress Esquire "'and felt the electric current travel up from his fingertips. "'He stood like the captain he knew he was deep down "'and surveyed the vast open sea. "'He saw his crew and heard the sounds of the gulls, "'filled with unsurpassable eudaimonia.' Mortimer yawned, allowing himself to drift away. Learn more at dubdubdubmortimerbook.com. Copyright 2022 M.W. Cedars Written by M.W. Cedars, the author's pseudonym Audiobook performance by Michael Drew Neither this author, nor affiliates, comrades, patriots, or associates are engaged in rendering professional or non-professional advice, services, recommendations, or any other suggestions of any kind to the individual reader. This book is purely fiction, and all opinions and all likenesses of characters, industries, cities, or associations, with any place or anyone you know, are purely coincidental. Thank you for subscribing to Mortimer, a book written by M.W. Cedars and narrated by Michael Drew. The theme music was written and performed by Danny Torgerson. Be sure to download the next episode.